And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Turn with us in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. From these extremely important verses, Pastor Elliot will compare our parts to the parts or the tools in a toolbox. Consider who or what gets most use of your tools. Also, please listen out for three aspects of your sanctification as a believer. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. This whole battle of experiential sanctification as to who we're going to present the tools of our bodies to for use is the hub and the crux of chapter 7. Paul makes some astounding admissions about the failures in his Christian life. The great apostle Paul that the Spirit of God used to write 60% of the New Testament. That apostle Paul in chapter 7 calls himself a wretch. Says that which I wish to do I don't do and that which I wish not to do I do. Some Christians have been unnecessarily uncomfortable with that. And they say, you see, that chapter 7, that was before the road to Damascus conversion. They're not comfortable with the Apostle Paul admitting his struggle with sin as a Christian. But that makes no sense in the logical flow and the logical argument of the book of Romans. Because chapter 5 is about justification. Chapter 6 that we're in this morning is about sanctification. Chapter 7 is about more of sanctification, the struggles within it. And chapter 8 is about glorification. Chapter 7 was after Paul's conversion because you are saved, he was saved, and we still have our flesh. We could ask the Lord, why'd you leave me with my flesh? You know, you could have taken my flesh away, Lord. Why'd you leave me with that traitor inside of me? So you'll trust me more? So you'll dig into my word more? So you'll be in tune with me and confess your sin more? So that I'll be glorified when I glorify you and ditch your flesh? If you want to read about Paul's struggle, and I hope you will, you can read the whole chapter 7, but particularly chapter 7, verses 15 to 24. I'll let you to read that. One way that you might look at this whole deal is that our body, soul, and spirit is our earth suit. You know how spacemen need a space suit to walk in space? We need an earth suit to walk on earth. Our body allows us to interact with our environment through our senses. Our soul allows us to interact with each other through our personalities. And the spirit of the person allows us to interact with God. Before Christ, Ephesians 2, 1 says, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That means the spirit part of us was dead as a doorpost, unresponsive to God because of sin. All that left us was our soul, personality, and our body. So the people you know who aren't yet believers, the poor folks, they're only functioning with a soul in a body. They have a dead spirit. 
In Scripture, the combination of the soul and the body is called flesh. And in this analogy of an earth suit, that's the leak in our earth suits, flesh. We have an earth suit, body, soul, and spirit. We're able to walk on earth, but even after we're saved and our spirit is made alive in regeneration, we have a leak in our earth suits, it's flesh. And so the law of sin and death, as a believer, is wanting to impose its will on us, and it comes toward us like Velcro, and we have a part still in us as redeemed people of Velcro. And if we let it get too close, then the law of sin and death will Velcro onto us and tell us what to do. That's what it used to do before we were saved. The flesh, before you were saved, said jump, and all you could say was how high. Now, if you do get reengaged to the law of sin and death through not minding your flesh, then you can say to that, I'm no longer going to be a slave of unrighteousness. Jesus Christ has delivered me from that. He's given me co-crucifixion with him, co-burial with him, and co-resurrection with him. He's imparted to me the gift of the Holy Spirit, the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Buzz off. Can you say that in the Bahamas? After I blurted it out, I thought, maybe I'm not allowed to say that. If I offended anybody, I'm sorry. Happened to Paul. Don't be arrogant to say it couldn't happen to you. It happened to Paul. It can happen to me. Let me illustrate being in Christ. Got this three-by-five recipe card. And I've got this Bible. Let the Bible be Jesus. And at the point of your conversion, when you trusted him alone to be your savior from sin, the spirit of God baptized you into Christ. He placed you into Christ. You're there for good. You can't even take yourself out of Christ if you're genuinely saved. You're in Christ. Now, if I gave this Bible to one of you who's taking the ferry to one of the family islands, and you took this, my Bible would get to Abaco, but guess what? So would the three-by-five card. Whatever happens to the Bible happens to the three-by-five card that's in it. You're in Christ, co-crucified, co-buried, and co-resurrected. You don't have to be the slave to the law and sin and death. You can present your tools as instruments of righteousness. Maybe this is just sure ringing true to you, Truth be known, this is ringing true to every Christian in the sound of my voice. But maybe this is really ringing true to you. Maybe you've been living out of your flesh as a Christian for not a week, not a month, not a year, but years. Not knowing the victorious Christian life. Oh, believer, know that God has so much better for you. No, consider, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That should be on, burned on your mind and heart constantly. Romans 6, 1 to 14 is teaching us that being in Christ is the huge key to understanding experiential sanctification. Now let me... and. Moving toward the end of this sermon, let me remind you of some key terms that we've seen in verses 1 to 14. You ready? Crucified to sin. That is, we no longer have to be sin slave. 
buried. Our old life has been put away. Don't dig it out of the grave. Resurrected to life, we now can respond to the Holy Spirit and thereby live a brand new life that Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Sin singular. That's the law of sin or the law of sin and death. It's the Velcro pull on you into sins. It's the leak in your earth suit. The word consider. It's the way we give the Holy Spirit sway and control in our lives. It's the way we keep the Velcro of our flesh apart from the Velcro of the law of sin. Consider, it's the continuous command of considering ourselves to be unresponsive to the law of sin, but totally responsive to the Holy Spirit. The term also still in the 14 verses, the members of your body. We said the members of your body are the tools we have in our toolboxes, our eyes, our ears, our mouths, our minds, our hands, and our feet. Capital One's 800 number doesn't work in the Bahamas, by the way. I thought you should know that. But I raised Capital One credit cards because they asked, what's in your wallet? Romans 6.14 asks, who's got your toolbox? Who's got your toolbox? Who's got your toolbox? Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas and I serve as a youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue our series on lifelines and talk about friendships. And last time we talked about how God is a friend that we can look to and, and how he shows the example of being a true friend. And today we want to talk about how godly friendships help us grow. You see, we need to find those people in our lives who are going to be real with us, who's going to tell us the truth, even though it may hurt, but it's for our own good. And I think sometimes we... Allow those people, when they come into our lives, we sometimes want to shun them. We want to push them away because they point out faults in our lives. And we want to try to point the faults in their lives. But the reality is that we need people in our lives who are going to encourage us, who are going to show us when we're wrong. Especially as a born-again believer, we need other believers to show us things in our lives. And today we want to talk about how a friend can show us things. And have you ever learned something surprising about yourself from a friend? Maybe it's when they said that you had food in your face or introduced you to a new hobby that you ended up loving or finally pointed out that you have been spelling their name incorrectly your entire friendship. You see, we need to understand as we consider this, we, we have friends that are going to show us things that may surprise us about ourselves. But isn't it amazing how our friends can help us see things we weren't able to see before? Sometimes our friends help us see our weird quirks. The weird things that we do. Sometimes they help us to see the, our best qualities. And sometimes they help us to see the areas of our lives that we still need to grow in. And the reality is that we are in a time, especially as a teenager, you are in a time where you are, are growing to become that young man and that young lady who God wants you to be. And you need people to talk life into you. You need people to encourage you. You need friends to come alongside of you and to help you. And we want to talk about how these lifelines and how we need these people, and, 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 I, and I could think of who wants to be a millionaire, and as you think of that show and you think of, I want to get a lifeline, I want to call a friend who can help me, and I think that that's the same concept here, that we want to call a friend who's going to help us, who's going to be there. You see, there are so many reasons why we need friends like this, 
because we need friends to throw us a lifeline. When we're drifting, it's not usually one sudden movement that gets us into trouble. It's more like a series of bad events that slowly pull us away from who we want to be. When we're distracted, little distractions come and become big problems when they make us lose focus on the things that matter most. And when we're drowning, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you were drowning in your own life before, but I have. Sometimes life gets overwhelming or too hard or too sad or too busy. You see, when we're drifting or distracted or drowning, we are sometimes the last people to notice. So when we start to drift or get distracted or drown, we could all use a friend who's willing to disrupt us with their well-timed help, support, and challenge. You see, we need people in our lives that's going to help us when we're in these times of trials and struggles. You see, as we think of Scripture, there are a lot of bad examples of friendships out there. But we have one really great example of a friend that we can look to and, and that we, we can ask for help. And we, as we've been starting this series, we're going to look at four times that Jesus was a friend of someone who really needed him. And this morning we want to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And it says this, While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made her right choice and it will not be taken away from her. You see, we, we see this the story of Mary and Martha as they were, were with the disciples and, and we see how they, in a sense, they followed Christ and, and they were here listening to the teachings of Christ when they were trying to prepare the way that Jesus came to the house. And we see two different examples. We see one who is there actively listening to Jesus and, and listening to every word that he has to say. And then we have one who basically is just busy, distracted. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us listening to this broadcast would say we would be like Martha. We would be so worried and distracted about everything else around us that we miss what Jesus is trying to say in our own lives. Or we miss what people are trying to say because we're all about us. You see, we need someone to show us what things are we're doing right and the things that we're doing wrong. We need someone to help us to point out those stuff in our lives that we need to change. You see, a conversation like this is never easy. I imagine it must have felt embarrassing for both for Martha and anyone within an airshot. But Jesus wasn't harsh or impatient or rude. Jesus simply helped Martha to see she hadn't seen before. He gave her a chance to choose a different way. You see, we need to understand that as, as we think of it, maybe Martha didn't know she had the option to simply sit with Jesus. She was so concerned with just wondering, is this house clean? I'm busy doing all these things. And now here's my sister Mary just sitting there doing whatever she wants. And I think that that's so many times, again, that we are like the Martha. We are the one that's so busy, so caught up that we miss the thing that's right in front of us. And Jesus is trying to point us out to Martha. He's saying, look, your sister is doing the right thing. She's sitting here. She's listening to what I have to say. You see, Jesus gently says, Martha, Martha, it's okay. Sit with us for a while. Let's talk. When Martha was drifting, distracted, and drowning in her own self-imposed responsibilities, Jesus threw her a lifeline. 
He helped her to see something she had never seen before and then gave her a chance to grow. Again, as you think about this and you think of those friendships that you have and, and those times when people point out things in your life and, and sometimes our first defense is to put our hands up and try to defend ourselves. But Martha is listening. Hey, what, what am I doing? You see, Jesus, again, is just talking to her. And he's talking to her because he wants to understand, hey, you need to listen to me. You need to relax. You need to rest. The Bible said that be still and know that I am God. He's saying, look, you need to come and listen to me. You see, Jesus does this for us too. And he invites us to do the same thing for each other. He wants us to come and he says, he wants us to listen to him. But our lives are so distracted and we allow ourselves to be so distracted by so many different things. And even in our friendships, when somebody comes alongside and say, hey, you need to do this. That we first put up our hands and we want to say no. But Jesus is telling Martha, hey, this is what you need to do. So I challenge you as we close this week, I want us to think about that for a second. I want to ask you, what are you doing in your life? Are you a Mary who is sitting there listening to Jesus and whatever Jesus says, I'm ready to hear from him? Or are you Martha? Martha, a person who's so busy, distracted, drowning, the, 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 everything of the world is on top of them and, and piling on top of them. They don't know what to do. Like I said, I think that most of us relate to Martha. Most of us are just like her because we allow so much to pile up on us. We're so distracted. We're so distracted about, as in this case, a house being clean, that we don't have time for Jesus. That we don't have time to sit and talk with others, to fellowship, to do life together. As a student, as you're listening to this, you, you think about it. You're so distracted with school and BJCs and BGCSEs, coursework and all this stuff, that sometimes you're just so distracted that Jesus gets put on the back burner. I would challenge you. Let us be a person that, that is like Mary. Let us understand that Christ needs to be first. Yes, those things of education are important, but Christ is, is the ultimate. He's everything to us, and we need to listen to him. And we need to spend time in his word and spend time in prayer because this is what's going to carry us through every day of our lives because it's never going to get easier. In fact, the world's going to get more distracting as we go on. But we have a Jesus, a God, who we can say, be still and know that I am God. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Pleased to have uh, Brother Benny and Sister Lena in the radio studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Lena, I was wondering if you could tell a bit about how you were married to Brother Benny. How did that come about? Um, it is a long story. I'll try to shorten it a little bit. Uh, but... Ours was an arranged marriage. Yes. And um, often in India, you do have arranged marriages, but not in the in the way as particular as ours. When our marriage was arranged, I did not even see him. I did not meet him. Wow. Usually an arranged marriage where the families come together and the boy gets to meet the girl the girl meets to gets to meet the boy yes. but uh, since Benny was in the US I was in India we did not meet wow our marriage was said by our parents and we 
saw a picture of each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we said yes to it. But we knew we had that confidence that God had brought this particular man in my life. And I trusted that God will bring the best for me because I had prayed accordingly. Yes. I used to keep a journal and I had some things written down in my journal and I used to pray. And God answered each and everything that I had asked of God. And he honored that. And I knew it was from God. So I totally trusted God. I totally trusted my parents. And I totally trusted um, the future a man that was going to step into my life that it's all going to be well because God wow. was in control. Wow, that's outstanding. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with yes. all your heart and lean not on your own yes. understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct, direct your path. Yeah. That's beautiful. Wow. A couple of points that I would want to point out is that first, um, I got saved at the age of 12 and that was a very young age. But I totally, when I got saved, I totally gave my heart to Christ and I wanted to trust him 100%. Yes. So as I was growing older and, you know, my mom and dad would always say, you need to pray for your future partner in life. So I used to pray in particular about, you know, what I wanted, what I was looking forward to and what God will have for me. So I kept a journal and I uh, put down a couple of things. And the first was I come from a family uh, to kids. So I always wanted to have a bigger family. And I said, God, I want to go into a family that serves God, are in ministry and are serving you. And another point, God, I want you to bring a man in my life who will not ask for dowry. The mm. dowry uh, system is very prominent and is a social evil. The boy's family can ask the girl's parents for any amount of money wow. as dowry. It can be in thousands of dollars. And the girl's family has to come up with that amount mm. uh, in order for the man to marry their daughter. I prayed. That was very uh, specific for me. I said, God, I will not marry a man who will ask my parents for dowry. And I know you can do this in my life. And I'm ready. I used to tell my parents, I'll be ready to live in your house forever and not marry. <laughs> but I will not go with a man who will ask you uh, for dowry and mm. give you tears in your life. So when his proposal came, this was a family that served God. And I said, God, this is awesome. His family and him, he, they did not ask for dowry. And I said, God. I put a check, check in my, I said, God, you're answering my pr prayers. And then um, this was the first proposal that came as in marriage. And I said, yes. So God. And the answered, boy was not even there. Uh, he wasn't even <laughs> present. <laughs> yes. So God answered all those prayers. And I praise God. Beautiful. So I always tell when I'm talking to teenagers or women, older, you know, uh, people, I always say that you have to ask of God, because that's what the word says. Ask of me. Amen. So I say, ask and put your desires before the Lord. 
and he will fulfill them. Yes, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll author those desires. That's precious. So maybe you're listening this morning and you're single or your loved one, your daughter, granddaughter, grandson, a son or single. Um, This is a call surely to trusting the Lord for the right spouse and not... um, compromising, not settling, but asking the Lord for his best for you as a single. That's so wonderful. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.